Hallelujah. Can you lift up your hand all across and your voices all across the sanctuary right now? Oh, go ahead and lift him up. Oh, go ahead and release the Holy Ghost that's in you. Go ahead and release the Holy Ghost. God, we release the Holy Ghost and fire. God, I worship you. God, I magnify you. God, I glorify you. God, I praise your name. I lift you up. I give you glory and I give you honor. Oh, go ahead and clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I feel the Lord in this house. I want you to know the Lord has come to set you free tonight. Whatever has been coming against you, whatever that mountain's name is, whether it's fear or anxiety or anger or depression or doubt, discouragement, I don't know what the name is in your life, but I'm going to tell you God's coming tonight to break every chain in your life where you walk out of here free, free in the mind, free in the heart, free in the spirit, where you can go out victorious and in power. You know what? Jesus never for one moment has intended you to live a life of defeat, but he's come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly tonight. Amen. Oh, I feel the Lord tonight. Amen. Amen. I gave the sound booth a bunch of scriptures, but I'm going to, um, I'll probably use a lot of them at some point, but I'm going to turn to a different place in scripture tonight. Uh, Acts, we're going to go to Acts chapter, chapter number three, and let me see where I want to start tonight. So glad you're here. And uh, I thought for a moment we might, maybe we wouldn't preach because the Holy Ghost was about to explode in here. And I always want God to have his way. And I would say, get in the river. Get in the river. I'm not content by watching someone else swim in the river of God. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, stay, let's start in verse number uh, one. That's a good place to start. Amen. <laughs> Acts 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Everyone say they're going to pray. Being the ninth hour, which is uh, the morning time, or about noon actually. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered the, te- the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask of alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon John, or excuse me, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, But such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And you can just feel the power in those words. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle 
received strength. And he leaping stood walking and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. I mean, what a sight. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that that was him which was, or he that sat the alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they, and, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened. And as the lame man which had healed, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch that was called Solomon's, greatly wondered. And those verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he saw the people gathered, wondering. He answered unto them and he said, Ye men of Israel, why ye uh, marvel at this? And why look ye so earnestly upon us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? I want to preach to you tonight, and I don't know exactly how this message is going to go because I feel different in the spirit from when my notes were, but I'm going to talk to you conforming to the image of Christ. Conforming to the image of Christ, because this is so important. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray in the name of the Lord, I loose the power, the authority, and the spirit. I loose your word and your will, and I loose your uh, divine direction in this message tonight. Speak to your people. Speak to those that are here tonight. I pray for the Holy Ghost to flow and to minister to us and let the power of the Holy Ghost uh, be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Now, before I get into this story, I want to turn to uh, two scriptures. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me. And uh, the first one is Romans 12 and 2. Turn to Romans 12 and 2. And the Bible says this. And be not conformed. Everyone say conformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. Everyone say, we are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Which means, I don't want the mind of the world. I don't want the ways of the world. I don't want the patterns of the world. I don't want to do what the world does. I don't want to be like the world. I don't want the world to influence my thoughts, my thinking, my reasoning. I don't want to look at the world and perceive what's good or right. No, I want it to be transformed by the word of God. All right? And so this word conformed, um, here it says do not be conformed. But it means, it's a, it's a Greek word, and it means to... Take yourself and live according to a certain pattern. No, we've all done this. We've all looked at the world, the world we're living in, the world we grew up in, the world that's around us and thought, you know what, why, why can't I just live like the world lives? Um, why do I have to live what the preacher preaches? Why can't I just live like the world? Now, we've all thought that because the devil's attacked us in that manner and our flesh is... Uh, wants to do everything possible to keep us from going to an altar. You know, that's what the flesh, <laughs> go, go live it up. You know, Paul quotes a saying in his day, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what the flesh wants to do. Go to the casino, go uh, find a party, go whatever. Go do anything and get your mind off eternity and live for the now is what the flesh wants. 
And so we've all thought this, the, the world has tried to conform us. The world has tried to mold our thinking patterns. The world has tried to mold what we see is moral or good or righteous. The world is tries to tell us uh, that the, the things that are in the word of God are old and ancient and, and really they're full of hatred. But this new uh, you know, woke morality, trying to get us to conform the behaviors and customs and, and, and what he is saying in the scriptures is don't conform to the age that you live in. Don't conform to the generational mindsets. In fact, it was Peter that stood up the very first message ever preached in the Christian church. Peter said, save yourself from the wicked generation that you live in. You better save yourself. Don't be conformed to the standards of this world because they're moving so far away from the things of God the new morality is earth worship. It's whether you believe in global warming or not, it doesn't matter. I don't want to debate science. I want to point out a fact. They want to make uh, the worship of the earth and protecting of earth more uh, a part of your life than the worship of the God who made the earth. They want us to conform to uh, these new identi- identities and gender roles and, and all of these things that so- somehow make you morally righteous if you accept it and if you reject it then you are somehow a hater this is the box they're putting christianity in Uh, i mentioned the other day uh, there was four nba players that wouldn't put just a simple rainbow pin on their jersey and because of that they have been they have been deemed as haters as white supremacists as people that um uh, are, are, are of no use for this world, basically. Why? Because we, they won't conform to what the world tells them they better conform to. Well, I got to tell you tonight, we better not conform to any of it because the word of God is yes and amen. The word of God is here today. It's here. It will be here tomorrow and it will be here for eternity. And everything else is just sinking sand. It's building a house that will sink in quicksand. But the word of God is the only thing that's going to be established forever. Do we need to hate sinners? No. Do we need to, uh, do we need to be discriminate? Tory towards them. No, we need to love the sinner. But my friend, we don't conform to the sinful lifestyles. We don't stand on the sideline and clap our hands. No, no, no. We only clap our hands for the one true living God. His name is Jesus. And he deserves all the praise and all the honor and all the thanksgiving that we can give him. Amen. If we got to be persecuted for his name's sake, then so be it. In fact, the Bible says you'll be hated of all in all nations for his name's sake. I would rather be persecuted and marked with Christ than been accepted and applauded by the world but rejected by the one true living God. I don't need the world, but I do need Jesus really badly. You don't need the world, but you need Jesus really badly. And so he's saying, don't conform your thinking to the ways of the world. And sometimes this takes a little bit of depth to go and say, what, what thinking patterns do I have that came from the world? Like, have you ever found yourself copying something that you saw in a movie? Monkey see, monkey do. We take on the things that are around us. And it's just true. And so I need to put the word of God in me. I need to be in his presence. I need to soak in the things of God. So he says, do not be, what's the word? Conformed. Do not be conformed. Now turn to Romans 8 and 29. It says this, for whom he... Did for no, he also predestined to be what? Conformed. (laughs) 
to the image of his son. All right, this is what he's saying. Do not be conformed to the world, but yes, be conformed to the image of his son, which is Christ. Which is Christ. You know, the Bible says in Genesis, we're made in his image and after his likeness. But after sin came in the world, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of likeness in humanity. In fact, there was so much little likeness in humanity that when God looked at the world and he saw the wickedness in in Genesis 6, it it disturbed him so much. He said, I'm just going to wipe out the earth. But but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So they were still made in his image, but there was very little likeness. And and so it is with the lost humanity. When God looks down, he sees a reflection of himself. We were made in his image, and yet he's called us. In fact, he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what he wants us to be. Don't be fashioned and formed by the world, but yes, be conformed to the ways of Christ. How did Christ do it? How did Christ live? How did Christ love? How did Christ Christ come upon the world. Why did Christ be conformed to Christ? Amen. To be conformed means to be fashioned in the likeness of. When people look at you, do they see Christ? When people look at how you speak, when people look at how you conduct yourself. You know, I was reading the other day, it said, we won't turn to it, but it said, I was looking at all the scriptures on salt, you know, when I was talking about salt and light the other day. And it says, it says, uh, sprinkle, uh, sprinkle grace on all of your speech. Sprinkle or add, add salt, something to the effect of salt. Use the, the salt of grace upon your speech. And I was thinking about how we could probably do that. And I sure could do that a lot more. God, give me some salt. You know, you put salt on so it could taste better. You know, you ever taste something bland, you got to put a little salt on it, you know, and all of a sudden it brings those flavors to life. And, and so all of us, I'm sure, have love and kindness and grace in our heart, but we got to sprinkle it on our speech so people know it, they can taste it, they can feel it. And so this is what Christ does. He reaches into our life and he changes us, doesn't he? Transforms us. When we come to the altar and we, we lay ourselves on an altar, he, he literally, he literally going to transform our life. We lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice. Aren't you glad he didn't call for a dead sacrifice? <laughs> he became the dead sacrifice, but he called you to be the living sacrifice. But you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? The problem with a living sacrifice is many times it crawls off the altar. You know, get me off here, get me out of here, you know. But when we put ourselves in that altar and we willingly submit you know we think of the story of 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 isaac and abraham and uh many times we got the wrong image in our mind and and it's it's probably the fault of i don't know sunday school lessons but normally you see abraham as this old man and you see isaac as like a six-year-old boy and they take abraham and they lay him on the altar or they excuse me they take isaac and lay him on the altar this just little boy and abraham is like this ah you know gonna uh sacrifice his son but that's not it at all uh, Abraham was an old, feeble man, and Isaac was probably in his 20s, much stronger than his father. The point is this, Isaac willingly laid on that altar because he represented Christ. And he also represented what we're supposed to do. 
We have to willingly, you can come to church and never, never lay on an altar. You can come to church and never be conformed to God. You can come to church and be, be 100% identified as the world. And, and that's not going to do anything for you because just walking in the house of God doesn't do anything for you. It's when you let the Spirit of God get in your life and you let God put his hands on you and, and you lay yourself on an altar and he molds you and he shapes you and he takes out that, those, those, those hurts and those pains and the, the sufferings that, that lead to a lot of poisonous emotions and the poisonous mindsets. Uh, he said, I don't want this in you and I'm just going to pull it out. And I don't want this in you. And I don't want this in you. And I don't want, oh, bitterness, no, let me get that out of you. Oh, oh, hatred, let me get that out of you oh 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 you want me to, oh that victim mentality let me get that out of you because i want to give you power and you can't have power and be a victim at the same time i want you to overcome i want you to be ahead and not to tell i want you to have my blessings and not walk in defeat so i got to take some things out of you so i can put some things in you i mean he come to mend the broken hearted he didn't just come to pat you on the back and say oh i'm so sorry you have a broken heart no he's come to mend it I mean, he is. He's empathetic. He cares. But my friend, he wants to heal you. Everything within. He wants to. He doesn't want you to be stuck in yesterday. He wants to reach in into your life, and he wants to heal you from yesterday, so you can go on to that divine tomorrow that God has you to walk. But so many times we're like the children of Israel. We're stuck in Egypt of our yesterdays, even though we're walking in the wilderness. But we're just walking in circles in the wilderness, and we can't. We don't ever let God really heal us, so we can't really go to the promised land. But God is saying this: I want to put my hands on you. Get on that altar. I want to mold you and shape you. I I, I put my hands in the dirt, and I formed and fashioned Adam. And this is what I want to do with you. I want to put my hands in your heart, in, in, in your mind, and I want to conform you. I want to mold you. I predestined this. I said it will happen. I've already said my, my city, New Jerusalem, can be full of people, my bride, that are conformed to my image, and I want to do it to you. And so he puts his hand on you, and he molds you and shapes you. You know, I've got four children, and I've thought about this a lot because so many times we got bad theology floating around the world that, you know, uh, Jesus loves me, so he's just going to leave me the way I am, basically, is the, you know, so he's just going to, uh, Jesus loves me, so he's just going to, uh, or he loves me just the way I am, so everything, that's okay, or whatever they say. But that's bad theology, and I, I just break it down, and I'm going to show you this. Now, I've got four children. Now, imagine one of, uh, it doesn't matter which one, imagine one of my children um, got hooked on drugs, um, and went off, and ended up destitute, homeless, living under a bridge. And I look for him everywhere, and finally I find where my, my son or daughter is. And I go to him underneath that bridge. You think I would go under that bridge and say, son, daughter, I love you so much. I'm just going to leave you right there, living under the bridge. I mean, even human love wouldn't do that. God is not going to leave you living under that bridge of your life. He wants to take you out and so he can take you in. But that takes some transformation. And so he wants to put his hands on you. And he wants to pull some things out of your mind and heart. Because obviously the things you've been thinking about, the things you've been, the emotions you've been dealing with, didn't take you to a very good spot. And so God says, let me get that stuff out of you. It's poison. And let me put abundant life in you. Because uh, my ways are life. My words are life. My ways are truth. My ways are light. And I'm going to lead you to a place of blessing and anointing. And so much more than you've ever experienced. This is what God wants for us. You know, I think the Gabe asked me the other day, 
you know, why, why does God want us to win souls so much? Or some of that effect. Why is, are we only made for this, this to, to just go win souls? And the answer is no. The answer is we're made to have a relationship with Christ. That is, the, that is why we're made. God made us have a relationship with him. But once you get a hold of God, you get a hold of his heart. And his heart is passion for the lost souls. And so while we're made to have a relationship with God, and this is, this is what it's all about, if we truly have the heart of God, we have passion for lost souls. And this is what it's all about. And so God says, I, I want you to come to me, not just so you can receive blessing or you can receive. I and mean, we've all seen people that's come to God as a last resort only because they're in desperation. And if God ever answered their prayer, they, they left God right where they found him because they didn't need him anymore. But that's not what it's all about. God wants relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to know him. He wants to know you. He wants you to get the passion of his heart. And he wants, to get, he wants you to get the understanding of his words and his wisdom and his knowledge. This is what it's all about. And so God comes and he forms us and he molds us. And he begins to take things out of us. And he begins to put himself in us. This is what's powerful. I can't love without him. How could I love without him? How could I have empathy without him? How could I have, um, how can I ha- have any of the fruits of the Spirit without him? You see, nothing good lives in me. That's what Paul said. There's nothing good does live in me. You take the Spirit of God outside of me, and you take the, God, the Spirit of God away from you, and guess what? There's nothing. You know, even the Philistine king, I don't know if you went back and read it, but we're, uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe, but Abraham lied and said, you know, Sarah, if we come to another country, you know, we're just going to say we're brothers and sisters, because I don't want them to kill me. And so Abraham put that in his son, and Isaac, and Rachel, or Rebecca go to uh, another country, or I, I, Isaac and Rachel, let me get this right. And he says, uh, you know, my daddy taught me this. When we are outside of, you know, the place of protection, we're just going to say we're brothers and sisters. <laughs> I don't even understand it. You know, there's a lot of things in Scripture that just make no sense. And it's not just what God does, it's what people do. Uh, but... One day, the king of the Philistines was looking out the window, and King James says he saw, he saw Isaac sporting with his wife. Now, that's a, a way of saying in English that he was, he was being very romantic with her. And he said, there's no way that that's his sister. <laughs> and I'm going off memory, but at some point, Maybe it was that night or right around there. And the angel, or the Lord came to him in his dream and he said, if you touch that man or his wife, I'm going to kill you. This is what God told him. Now, you don't want that kind of dream from God. And think, think about this. This, this. this Philistine king that's outside the covenant God said, God, I didn't know it was his wife. He told me that she was, my, her, she was his sister. I'm having a really hard time tonight. Have you ever tried to sync something up, like try to Bluetooth something and it won't sync? My brain and my tongue are not syncing tonight. It must be the Wi-Fi, is all I can say. Okay. <laughs> Recompute, recompute. Anyways, let me start over. 
the king of the Philistines was talking to God. And he said, Isaac told me she was his sister. And God said, I know. That is why my hand reached down and kept you from touching her and sinning against her. You think God doesn't have his hand in the lives of people? Even people that are outside the covenant with God? You think this world is bad now? You wait to see what this world turns into when the Spirit of God is called up. You see, the Spirit of God is reaching for the lost and the hurting. He's whispering in the hearts of men, saying, don't do that. He's seeking to even uh, Philistine kings outside the covenant of God. I'm going to keep you from sinning. I'm going to keep you from doing this because I'm going to keep you from my, my judgment coming upon you. And God is doing it because God, God is a faithful God. He's reached for the, he reaches for everyone. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. He spoke to you when you were yet in sin. He died for you. He spoke for you when you were still in sin when you're still in darkness. Uh, uh, just because God's speaking with you doesn't mean you're right with God. It means God's reaching for you out of his mercy and his love. But you need to respond and you need to come to an altar and you need to lay, you need to lay your life down and say, okay, God, I'm tired of being conformed to the world. I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is what God wants from you. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your ministry. He doesn't want your your words of etiquette, or, or he doesn't want your talent if you can play an instrument or whatever you can do. I'm going to tell you what God wants from you. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. That's the only thing he wants. He wants your heart. And so God is looking for people that he is allowed to conform, mold, and shape. You know, when I walked in the house of God, I was a lot like those Egyptians. <laughs> I had a lot of Egypt in me. That's the world. And God had to take a process of time. No one has changed in one moment and one altar. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can, be, you, can be, uh, you, can, you can be set free of some things in one moment. But you're not going to be transformed in one moment. It's going to be a process of sanctification as God changes you and, and challenges mindsets and challenges things in our heart. And there's a lot of things sometimes that we build up these huge walls. And we say, God, don't touch. Don't, don't go there, God. I was praying for a gentleman the other night in... Uh, Actually, the other day, and uh, God spoke to me about this person that I was praying for. I had such a burden for this person. And God showed me a human heart. You ever seen those pictures of a human heart, like a medical science book? And, and so it has like those two sides kind of, you know, but they're together. I can't describe it. You just Google it. You'll see it. And, uh, <laughs> and on the side of his heart, on the one side, it was like a, have you ever, have you ever, uh, Maybe close the door too fast on your car and it ripped the skin or something and it just your skin was just like filleted off but it was still hanging there. Well, I saw this this man's heart was like filleted open and was just hanging there. And God spoke to me and God said, I want to reach into his heart like a surgeon. I want to sew him back up. And when I sew him back up, this is what the Lord said, his heart is gonna beat with my heart like never before. When the Lord sold me, he's got hurts. And I don't think this is just for him. Got a lot of deep hurts that he won't let me near because they're too tender. Every time I try to get near to those hurts, he puts a wall up to stop me. My friend, you got to give those things to God because I know it's a protective mechanism. Listen, we are hurt. People hurt us. We're hurt as kids. We're hurt as young adults. We're hurt as adult, old adults, whatever. We're, we're just hurt, right? 
We hurt ourselves. We make bad decisions. And we got a lot of wounds. And so we put walls up as a defense mechanism. Because if I could, I don't want, you know, if, if Michael was going to hurt me, you know, and he was going to say, you know, you're the worst pastor ever. Hate your messages. Hate you. You know, all the stuff that you're thinking. No, I'm just joking. Michael was just looking at me like, stop. <laughs> I'd put a wall up a mile high and be like, that don't, that don't hurt me. I don't care what you say. Sticks and stones break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. And then I turn around. <laughs> Isn't that true? And then I wipe my nose and wipe my eyes. And when I see Michael again, I just pretend like, don't hurt me. Nope, not hurt me. A wall, a wall. And we do this to protect ourselves in life. And it's okay if we do it around people. But I'm going to tell you what happens is we do it around God. We get in God's presence, and God wants to go in those places, and he wants to touch some things, but we won't let him. No. It's like Peter. Before you know, Peter, listen. The devil wants to sift you as wheat. No. You don't understand, Jesus. I'll die for you. No, you don't understand. The devil's got his eye on you. There's some things inside of you that are going to, they're going to manifest themselves that you put walls around. No, no, I'll die for you. Peter, now this was like, I don't know, Midnight or one in the morning. Before the sunrise tomorrow and the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter emphatically said, no, I'll never, I will never deny you. I will never do that. I would rather die for you. And what Jesus is saying is this. Peter, there are things in your heart that you're not even aware of. That I'm trying to get to in touch. But you won't allow me because of all the walls you built up. But tomorrow morning, when the cock crows, those walls are going to come tumbling down. And you're going to be bare naked in a sense. And everything that's in your heart is going to be revealed. And you're going to be devastated because you won't let me do it. And so when the cock, when, when the cock crow, crew that third time, and I mean, read in Scripture, and, and he had denied Christ. He had swore. That's not cursing. That's taking an oath of God. He had swore Unto God, he did not know who Jesus was. I mean, that's devastating. I'm like, you know what? I've never done that. I'm good. I got one on Peter. <laughs> you got to find those things in Scripture that can make you feel better about yourself, right? <laughs> but when that cock crew that third time and he had swore that oath, they didn't know Jesus. Jesus standing in Pilate's hall turned looked out in that vast crowd, and he locked eyes with Peter. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what Peter felt like at that moment? See, God wants to go to those deep places in your heart. My friend, none of this is in my notes. I feel this in the Spirit so strong tonight. What are the things holding us back from getting what God wants us to, to do? He wants to conform us. He wants to mold us. He wants to shape us. He wants to do what God wants us to do. You know, right in front of this is a, a sign called the servant of, uh, a servant's heart. A servant's heart. When you really think about the ultimate servant, it's Christ. And he said, let this mind be in you. Now I want to read just a few statements that he made because I, I think this is so valid and so important. How we let God heal us and how we go to become a servant's heart. Uh, John 5 and 30, it just simply says this, I of my own self can do. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Think of it in context. Now, he's speaking as 
the incarnate. Uh, he's speaking as he was. Now listen, when he, be, when he became flesh, he truly became human. So he didn't pretend to be human. You've got to understand that he really became human. God manifested in flesh. He was truly born of a woman. When we celebrate, uh, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of that child. That God truly became a human being. And so he didn't stop being God, and yet he was still human. And so this is, he's speaking out of his humanity, not out of his God, God uh, deity. Um, and so he says this in John 5 and 30. I of my own self can do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is last, because I seek not my own will. Talking about the will of his humanity. But the will of the Father which has sent me. I'm going after the will of the Father. Going after the Father's will. And look at John 12 and 49. He says, for I have not spoken of myself. I'm not preaching about my humanity, myself. But the Father which has sent me, he gave me a commandment. What I should say and what I should speak. Everyone say, say, say and speak. And then one more, John 5 and 19. And Jesus answered unto them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Talking about his humanity. I may be God in the flesh, but my flesh can do nothing in itself. But what he, he speaks third person many times, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things whatsoever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. But here's the point. If Jesus couldn't do it in his flesh, you can't do it in your flesh. Amen? Why do we think that somehow that we, we will become some kind of superhuman, you know, Avenger person? And, and we'll be able to just, you know, I, I remember when I got in church and I, I, I used to pray. I thought, man... I'm just going to pray until my flesh is just gone. You know, I don't have flesh anymore. <laughs> and I couldn't do it. And I asked someone one time, I was like, why can't I pray until my flesh is gone? <laughs> and this person that was very spiritual looked at me and said, that's impossible. <laughs> that's impossible. I was like, okay, that's why it's not working. I get it now. Okay. So I'm always going to have weaknesses. And I'm always going to have these things. And I'm always going to have to take them to God. Yes, that's the point. Paul said, I die daily. And so think about this. So many times we want that, we want that momentary transaction. Curtis, come up here. Where, where somebody lays their hands on you and prays and there's a touch. You know, you feel God. That anointing hits you. Or maybe you're by yourself. Lift your hands. And it's just you alone with God and you have that touch. So many times we want those momentary transitions and then go ahead and go back to your seat. And we think, I'm good. I'm done. I'm changed. I don't have to do anything else now, right? But that's not the truth. The truth is God wants us to walk in the Spirit, which means when I go back to my seat and sit down, I'm not going to disconnect from the Spirit that I felt at the altar. I need to walk in the Spirit or get in the river, as God has been telling us, so that I have the flow of the Holy Ghost in my life all the time. Because I of my own self can do nothing. If, God, if, if Jesus manifested in the flesh could do nothing, it doesn't matter how much anointing I feel, how gifted I am, it doesn't matter how powerful the prayer meeting was, once I disconnect, from the Spirit of God, I still can do nothing. So he said, I can do nothing. 
And he said, I seek not my own will. I don't do what my flesh wants. My flesh wants a lot of things. In fact, if my flesh would make a list of all the things my flesh wanted, I think there's no end to what my flesh really wants. <laughs> so he does, he does nothing himself and he seeks God's will. The will of the Father. The second verse we read, he says, I don't even speak what I want to speak. I'm sure Jesus wanted to tell people a lot of things and he kept his mouth shut. He said, I only say and I only speak what the Father tells me to say and speak. Wow. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said what the Father wanted you to say instead of what you wanted to say? <laughs> if you have, it's only because you've been in a prayer room somewhere, haven't you? Because I promise you, if you're like Curtis and you just... He's my example. He's not actually doing it. Curtis is a powerful man of God, and he's doing a great thing. But if he's my example, and he goes down, sits down, disconnects himself from God, I can promise you, he could have just left church, had a powerful meeting. But once he walked out that door, he disconnected, got in his car. I don't know. He might say something harsh to someone else in his car. Someone might cut him off, and he might honk his horn. I mean, we can go from the Spirit of God to the flesh just like that. It's not very difficult. We can start speaking all these things that our flesh, oh, it's never going to happen. There's never going to be a miracle. You know, God does it for someone else. God there, and we start speaking these things. But Jesus said, I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. And then John 5 and 19, he says, I, can, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. And then I just follow what the Father does. In other words, I got the vision of the Father. I've disconnected from this world. I've went to prayer. I've got the will of God. I've got the empowerment of the Spirit. I'm only going to speak what the Father tells me to speak. And I'm only going to do what the Father shows me. You know what I think? I think if we truly get the heart of the servant, we're going to get the servant. We're going to get the heart of Jesus Christ in our life. And we're going to start doing the same things. We're going to start putting our will down and taking his will. We're going to start realizing it's not in ourselves to accomplish anything. It's only when we go to the spirit of God. We're going to stop speaking what we want to speak. And we're going to start speaking what God wants us to speak. And we're going to get the vision what God wants to show us. And we're going to quit speaking the vision of the flesh. This is what's going to happen when we start being conformed to the image of Christ. We become like him. Amen. And out of that becomes love and joy. I mean, we should walk in joy. I know the world's getting bad and the world's getting dark. I know they raised the interest rates today. I know the economic, uh, the, the world economics is about to go off the cliff. But that doesn't mean I have to walk in fear. I can walk in joy. Because I belong to God's economy. Peace. I mean, we can only get peace if we go to an altar. Long-suffering. I think they did that word wrong. It should be willing to suffer long. <laughs> that sounds a lot worse, doesn't it? Gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. All right, I want to take you back to Acts 3. And I'm going to close in just a couple minutes. Because Peter embodies... In this passage, what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. 
And I already talked about Peter's bad side. But Peter stands up. Think about it. 50 days after he forsakes Christ and he preaches the first message. And now here, him and John, in Acts chapter 3, the church was birthed in 2, this is chapter 3, are going where? To the house of prayer. You see, this is how you stay in the river. You got to stay in prayer. You've got to stay in the flow of the things of God. You've got, to, you've got to allow the Spirit of God in your life all the time. You've got to let the, the Word of God soak in your mind and your heart. You've got to put the things of God around you constantly. Because if you put the things of the world around you constantly, but you only go to church on Sunday, you're going to be more like the world than like the things of God. I've got to live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm going to tell you, those actors and actresses uh, and all the, uh, the sports figures and all the CEOs and all the, the people that have the loudest voices in this world, they're not going to be the louder voice in the things of God in my life. I'm going to make sure of it. I know we got to walk in this world and, we, and we, we encounter a lot of things, but I better have the, and you better have the voice of God. He says, my sheep know my voice. And if we got too many other voices stopping us from hearing the, the shepherd's voice and we got a real problem, we need to disconnect from some voices in our life. I gotta get alone with God. I've gotta, I've gotta, get, I've gotta go where no one else is. I gotta get away from the noise. I gotta get away from all the things of the world. I've got to meditate on His Word. I gotta get to know Him. And this is exactly what Peter and John were doing. They were, they had been empowered with His Spirit, and they were going to, they were just going to the temple for prayer. And there was a man at the gate, beautiful. And how contrary is that? Because this man was anything but beautiful. God made him to be, uh, 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 live an abundant life, and he was sitting there uh, uh, paralyzed living a life barely better than death uh, couldn't barely afford uh, to take care of himself or live him live for himself and he was dropped there every single day as people just walked by and and here it is the beautiful gate uh, where the abundance of God should be where the power of God should flow and yet we got a lame man sitting there day after day after day after day and he was reduced to just asking for money to feed his belly when what he really needed was a transformation of healing and virtue and anointing of God. After all, it was Jesus that said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I didn't make you to be a beggar. I made you to be an overcomer. I made you to stand and leap and walk into the house of God. And I think sometimes we, 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 we accept that too little. Of, uh, God wants to do so much and we're just begging for a little change. Well, I'll just be happy if I get a little change, God. And God's saying, I don't want to give you change. I don't just want to feed your belly. I'm going to transform you. I know you got a problem right now that's so big. It's so massive. You don't know where you're going to get dinner from. But I'm looking farther ahead. And I see a ministry. I see a, trans, a healed man. I see someone that is going to lead praise, jumping and worshiping, standing and giving his testimony of what God did in his life. We've got to get a bigger image sometimes. What does God want? And so he looks... At Peter and John, and he says, alms, alms, just give me some coins. And Peter and John said, Peter did at least, look upon us. Look at us. Look me in the eye. Look at me. I don't have any money. <laughs> he said, I'm a preacher. I'm broke. <laughs> but I got something better than money. Silver and gold have I not, but that which I have 
I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to rise up and walk. And he grabs him by the hand and he pulls him up and he jumps and he shouts and he worships. I mean, you talk about having an exciting work prayer, time of prayer. What would happen in this house if laymen would begin to walk in our prayer meetings? If the blind eyes begin to open in our prayer meetings? If miracles begin to flow? If people start walking out of wheelchairs? What would happen? to our prayer meeting if God began to manifest himself with miraculous powers. This is how the church was born. This is how the church was born. This is what the church is all about. This is the apostolic way. And here we are in verse number 12. And Paul or Peter and John are standing there and all the people, they're just shocked. I mean, and this is the man that was there forever. And this is the guy jumping and leaping. And they come around him, gather around him, and they say this. I mean, they're just like mouth hanging open, just drooling. Wow, you must be some kind of superhuman. And I think this is kind of the image we've got. If, and I think this is where God's trying to get us past. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. And it's all the goodness in us. And so when God conforms us, He puts that goodness in us. Peter understood this because when that when that cock crew on that third or the, <clears throat> excuse me, when the cock crew that third time, all the walls and all the things that Peter had built his image on, that he was the tough guy, that he would die for Christ that he would never fail Christ, that he was the one that walked on water and all these things, it came crumbling down and he realized for the first time that he truly didn't have anything in him worth saving. It wasn't his power, it wasn't his holiness, it wasn't his righteousness, it was nothing. And so when he was filled with the Holy Ghost on that day, he realized there's a power that's greater than any human power I've ever had. There's a, there's a strength that I've got, that I've received greater than any strength I ever had in a human sense. There's a holiness that I'm receiving that's greater than any holiness I've ever had. And so when they surrounded him that day, what did he say? Why are you marveling? And why are you looking at us as if we did something great? As if it was our own power or our own holiness that made made this man to walk. Uh-huh. I mean, so many times we're okay with the power part. Yeah, I know it's the power of God, but sometimes we think, well, I got to be holy. And when I get to a level of holiness, then God can really use me. And Peter is saying, it ain't my power and it's not my holiness. The secret is I just put myself on an altar and when you're on an altar and you're a living sacrifice and you're allowing God to conform you to his image, then you have the availability of God's power and God's holiness to flow in you. And when you need supernatural power, you have it available because you're on an altar. You're being conformed to Christ. You have the, you have, you have inside you the heart of a servant and God says, that's good for me. Let me be you. Let me use you. Let me heal. Let me do Deliver. Let me set free. Let me do what only I can do. Would you stand with me? Because Peter could not heal anyone, but Jesus Christ could heal anyone. I want you to know that. So here, my friend, you know, Curtis is exciting me. He told me he's already prayed one person through to the Holy Ghost at work. He did. He said, he said, I can't, I can't. 
he was going to teach at life group, and, he, and he's preaching next Wednesday night, and I'm excited to pray for him. Because not that he needs your prayer, but pray for him so he's just not nervous. <laughs> he called me today. He's like, was it today or was it next week? He said, no, it's next week. You, got, you, can, you can sleep and breathe for one more week, and then you, you know. But he said he was going to teach at life group. He was going to teach on fire. And I happened to be the, at his life group when he taught on fire. And I stole all his notes and I preached it Sunday. And uh, thank you. And, <laughs> and, uh, but he said this, and I love this. This is what he told me. He said, see, I got convicted. He said, I thought, if I'm going to teach on fire, then I got to do something. I got to have fire in me or I can't teach it. And so he went to his work, and he found a guy there that he'd been teaching a Bible study to and trying to help. And he just said, you want the Holy Ghost? You can have it right now. Let's go. He, he, he paints cars and stuff. He said, let's go find an empty room. Let's go pray. And so they took a 10-minute break, went back there, and they prayed. And his friend received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because he brought the fire with him. <laughs> Hallelujah. That what happened. And he just told me, he said, I'm starting, a, I'm starting a prayer meeting at my job. I just, he said, I didn't ask my boss. I just went in there and told him, we're going to be praying on Monday mornings, and the Holy Ghost is going to fall, and we're going to see people transformed. And this is what it's about. It's not about, it's not about how educated you are or how, how long you've been in church or, or, or any of this stuff. It's about getting in the river, getting in the river, allowing the Spirit of God to flow, being conformed to His image. Because when you're in the river and when the fire gets a hold of you, and you're on that altar being conformed to his image and the power of God's going to flow through you. And I watch people week after week after week say so disconnected, so discouraging. God is moving, God is flowing and just certain people just so disconnected. My friend, you wonder why you can't live in victory because knowledge is not enough. Knowledge is not enough. But when are we going to get the heart of Curtis and say, you know what? I got to do something with all this knowledge I've got. I've got to be and not just seem. I've got to walk in it and not just preach it. I've got to be conformed to his image and not just talk about how great being conformed to his image is all about. I want to get on that altar. I want to lay myself on that altar. God, mold me, shape me. I myself can do nothing. I can't do anything. I need your vision. I need your words. I need your power. I need your strength. I need you, oh God. Lay me on that altar and let that river flow through me. Hallelujah. Would you close your eyes for a moment and lift your hand? Hallelujah, God. It's not my holiness. It's not my power. It's not my holiness. It's not my power. I need you, oh God. I need you, oh God. Hallelujah. Oh, go ahead and praise him for a moment. Go ahead and lift your voice for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
you can feel the life. You can feel his hand. You can feel him. My friend, let me tell you, we're going to open these altars up. But let me tell you, for a generation, probably all of brother and sister Doherty's life, there's been those that are passionate for God. Then there was those that are backslid. Then there was those that were sitting on the fence. Huge part of the church just sat on that fence. Sometimes in church passionate, sometimes backslid, depending on the moment. I'm going to tell you what's happening though. That fence is being torn down. And you're either going to be all for Jesus or you're going to find yourself imprisoned by hell. I'm telling you, the fence is going away. Darkness is coming on this world like never before. In the book of Revelation, it talks about, it talks about demons that are going to be released for the last hour. My friend, we're marching on that time very closely. It's only going to be those that know their God. And by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, are they going to stand forth in that hour and they're going to do exploits against the darkness. So my friend, you, can't, you don't have time to mess around. You don't have time to try to straddle the fence any longer. It's time to make your mind up and say, I'm going to put myself on that altar and I'm going to let Jesus conform me to his image. Oh, these altars are up. Won't you are open. Won't you come up here tonight? Won't you surrender everything to him? Won't you lay your life on that altar new and afresh? Won't you say, Jesus, I want you and you alone. I don't want, I don't want my flesh or my will or my desires, but I want your will and your desires and your purpose and your destiny oh I feel the Lord in this house it's not my righteousness it's not my holiness it's not my power it's being connected to the source of life hallelujah 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 mama koyata lucky I have in these hands and multiply God all that
forsake me. You will be with me. Here I am. Come. Pouring 